speak, a little bit more and a little bit more was added to the picture of who Jesus would be. Each one carried a certain truth until the fullness of time had come and everything that needed to be said had been said and Jesus came into the earth. So in many separate revelations and in different ways, God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in the last in these last of days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son, Jesus, whom he appointed the heir and lawful owner of all things. He, verse 3 says, He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying of radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. Upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. And y'all can read the rest um, in, in the Amplified, but it's good. Now listen to this. Get it again. Passion translation. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. That just really hit me. In the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything, for through him God created the panorama of all things in all time. And then down in the notes he said, We speak in English, God speaks in Son. The sonship of Jesus is the language he now uses to speak to me. You know why? Because you're a son. You are a child of God. And I, that just went all over. When we hear things from God in the language of, of relationship, of sonship, we hear it different. If you think your parents are just laying down the law, and if you had a father that was just mean, if you had a father that was just mean, I just like to, to boss and slap you around, you didn't get to hear things through the ears of sonship. But when you have a father who loves you and says, this is not the right choice for you. And you hear it through the ears of sonship. You hear it different. God's word is speaking to you because Jesus came and made us a a child of God. Let us in on his sonship, his relationship with the Father. Now when we hear correction from the scripture, we hear it as a son. And I mean a son of a good father. The daughter of a good father. Now this isn't, but this is what I want to do. Now it's like, I wonder why he's telling me this isn't a good idea. Because who loves me more than the father? He's not out for his own agenda. He loves you. He loves you. And that just went all over me. To hear things with the ears that God is speaking the language of sonship. Isn't that beautiful? 
We're supposed to hear his sons. Jesus came for that. He came for that. That's why God speaks differently in the New Testament than he did in the Old Testament. You ever notice the difference? Not that, not that he's changed, but his language changed. Because you're, you've been made righteous in Jesus. You've been restored to sonship. You're not on the outside. You're on the inside. And, and that he came for that. That's what this whole story from Genesis to Revelation is about. You being in relationship with God and loving it. Because if you're not loving it, you're missing it. You're missing it. And, and the end of any other road is death. The death of your peace, the death of your joy, the death of your health. Uh, maybe the end of your life. God's, God knows the road to life. And if he tells me no on a road, I need to listen like a child. In fact, he said if we don't come to him as a child, we can't enter into the kingdom. We can't walk in what he's provided unless we come to him as a child. Did y'all get that or do we need to sit on that longer? Jesus came to show us father-child relationship, what it looks like. He was manifest, the scripture said. He was manifest to make it known, to make it visible. I'm a, I'm a visual learner. Anybody else in here visual learners? I mean, I know there's different kinds of learners, but, you know, you can tell me all day long. I'll never forget. I went to this basket weaving class. We were going to make these Carolina stars for the top of our trees. And Corinne, you know, Corinne from church, she's up there and she's like, okay, you just take this little and you loop this around and, you, and I'm like, I look like a complete idiot. I was like, I, that doesn't even compute to me what you're saying. But then one of the workers came over there and showed me one one movement, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, Josie, I just realized you're here. I'm talking about your mama. I mean, I did. I felt like, and all these other people, you know, really crafty people. Like, I want to be crafty. And so I try. I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend it until I saw it. The world could not comprehend the love of God towards them. They needed to see it. And if you can't see it, God's love for you, then you've got to go read Jesus. And when you read Jesus, see it in the relationship of father-child. This is what it looks like. Jesus, Jesus could be in a crowd that was fixing to stone him. And because of his relationship with the Father and trusting the Father would give him the right steps to take. When they had stones in their hand and were ready to kill him, he knew it was not his time to go. He walked right through the middle of them. This is what sonship looks like. I trust you with my life. Because you're a good father, I trust you with my life. Oh, this is why Jesus came. He wanted to make it manifest to show us we're supposed to begin to relate to that relationship that Jesus had with the Father. We are in Christ Jesus, right? We're in, we're in this because of him. We stand in his righteousness, his right standing with the Father that he gave us as a gift, the scripture says. We're supposed to begin to relate to Jesus' walk with the Father. 
That's a big, that's a big statement. But that's, that's why he came. <laughs> that was the whole purpose of why he came. Now I want to go back to 1 John 3 and pick up the latter part of that sentence again. The reason the Son of God was made manifest was to undo, to destroy, to loosen, to dissolve the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? What, what happened in the garden? Yeah, he deceived them. He, he de- well, he deceived Eve. It separated them from God. Took them out of relationship with him. As mom said, sickness and disease stepped in. Sin began. I mean, in the very first generation, we have a murder. Very first generation, we got a brother killing a brother. I mean, it doesn't take long. You don't have to read long in Genesis to see the works of the devil, right? But we can sum it up in John 10.10. It's one of my favorite passages because it just makes it so simple. Now, please understand John 10.10 is is greatly talking about false prophets. Yeah, false prophets, false truths, but it's all a part of what the devil's plan is, just like in Genesis, false truths, okay? Deception. But he summarizes the works of the devil this way. He says, the thief, this is John 10.10, the thief cometh not but for. You know what that tells me? He has one thing on his mind. He's not coming for he's not coming for you to enjoy this moment of sin and give you a better life by you by you living in some deceit. He's coming for one reason. And what he's doing will steal, it will kill, and it will destroy. That's it. That's it. That's that's the only place this road will lead. He says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then this is Jesus speaking. He said, But I am come. He has one purpose. This is it. Any road he takes you down, this is where it's going to lead you. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This word life. Is not just you breathing and making it through the day. Nicole, I mean, we've had days like that, right? It's, it's not just keeping your head above water. This word life is the word zoe. And, and when, you, when you look it up, it is an incredible word. It literally means life as God has it. The God kind of life. His original intent in the garden. That's the kind of life that Jesus came. He wanted to restore this possibility to us. And he said that you might have it more abundantly, which means to the overflow. Like you can't even contain this life. You got to share this life. And that's really when it gets fun, right? So in one verse, we have the devil's intent and purpose. He's a thief. What's a thief? You know what he steals? You know what a thief steals? What doesn't belong to him. What he has no right to. He, he tries to steal the life that you have a right to. As, as sons and daughters of God, he tries to find ways that will take away from that life. 
He can't steal what's his. If it's his, he wouldn't be stealing it. He steals what's yours. If he's a thief and he came to steal, kill, and destroy from your life, that tells me you by right own the Zoe life. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came. That's why he manifests himself so you could have that life. And then the other thing we see in this verse is God's intent and purpose. Jesus's intent and purpose. He came to offer you Zoe life. Life as God has it. Life to the fullest. Abundant to the overflow. So back in John, um, 1 John 3, 8 that we started with, um, it told us that Jesus came to destroy, undo, loose, and dissolve the stealing, the killing, killing, and the destroying. If you put the two verses together, and Jesus came to undo the works of the devil, then Jesus came to undo the stealing, the killing, and the destroying. Any of you ever been headed down a wrong path and God came in? And, and, and things changed around for the better? Even your own destruction that you set in order for yourself? Even the wrong choices that you made? His willingness to still come in and to reverse the curse? Man, I've done some stupids. I don't know if anybody else can claim any stupids in the house, but I've done some stupids. And God, his willingness, his willingness to still get me on the right road. It just, thank you, thank you for grace. The enemy came to steal. If the enemy came to steal and Jesus undid that, that means Jesus came to give. The enemy came to steal, Jesus came to give. If the enemy came to kill, then Jesus came to give life. If the enemy came to destroy, which when you look that word destroy up, it means loss of well-being. If the enemy came to destroy, then Jesus came to restore, to reconcile, to build you up, uh, to give you a life worth, worth living. And boy, did he ever. Because when you read the Gospels, you're going to see some lives changed. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil by doing the works of God. That's what he did. 33 years, that's what he did. And mainly, well, really, three and a half years uh, of miracles and, and works that, as an adult is really the, the three years that we saw these things put into play. I want to go to Acts 10. I got a lot of notes tonight, but we'll we'll make sure we give you room to say anything you want to there. Acts ten thirty seven, King James Version. I'm jumping in the middle of a sentence here. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. This is the character of God. Expressed, manifest, shown to us through Jesus. This is what Jesus did. This is what he came for. He 
God anointed him. So he went about doing good. He went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. This was the works of Christ. We see the works of the devil still kill and destroy. We see the works of Christ doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. He's undoing what the curse did. He's giving us a choice. You know, you can choose the cursed life. You can choose it. And you may think you want it. But I bet I can get a witness or two in the house that says choose life. God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. It's a choice. Jesus, when he was anointed by God, this is what it brought out of him. Doing good. Literally, if you look that word up, it's where we get the word philanthropy. You know, when the anointing of God's on, you just do good things. You just want, you just seek to do good. When you're walking in this relationship, this father-son relationship with God, you'll find yourself kind. You'll find yourself just wanting to do good things. Philanthropy, just being a giver and, and being a good person. Um, and then he was healing. That literally means curing all that were oppressed of the devil. And when you look at that word oppressed, it means those he had exercised, that the devil had exercised harsh control over. They, we were in a trap. We were in a trap. And Jesus went around setting the captive free open in the prisons right for god was with him this is what it looks like when god is with you this is what life looks like when god is with you that's what god with man is supposed to look like and in verse 39 the apostle says we were witnesses to it it was visual for us he showed us he made it visual he manifest the nature of God in front of us, and we got to see it. And those apostles took the power of them getting to watch Jesus, empowered them to be anointed by the Holy Ghost in power and do the same things. And and the the amazing thing about this is he's going to go on and he's going to tell us, you, No matter what your story is, John, he's going to tell you to do the works of Christ. And if we don't look at Jesus and understand the father-child relationship, I don't know that we can walk in that. Because we'll always X ourselves out. We've got to accept that we are now the children of God. And that he has anointed us to do good things and to heal all that are oppressed of the devil because God's with us. And if we're the sons of God, we should look something like him. There should be a resemblance, right? Matthew 11. I love this right here because we've been talking a lot about the prophecies for several weeks. Matthew 11, I'm reading out of the NIV if you're on a device. 
verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And when John, who was in prison, heard that what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? So John has been like preparing the people that the Messiah is coming. But he, and he's, he's expecting him. He's looking for him. And he gets word about, about what Jesus is doing. And he says, guys, I need y'all to go and ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Listen to the answer to that. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see, that the blind receive their sight, that the lame walk, that those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. You know what he told him? Yes. Yes. But he answered it by the word. This this came from prophecies from Isaiah 29, Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61, where this is how they the prophets described what the Messiah would look like, that he would be healing and, and curing, and, and the, the dead would rise, and the deaf would hear, and the lame would walk. These were prophecies spoken of Jesus, and now he's manifested, he's manifested this, and when John says, hey, is he the one He said, go tell him this. This is how you recognize God on a life. These are God works manifested in man. Jesus was a man. I believe it's Philippians that tells us that he he poured out his deity. And he he became as a servant. He He came here as a man. Because he wanted to show us what's possible as a man in relationship, in sonship with God. He couldn't ask us to do the works of Christ if we can't do the works of Christ. How unfair. But Jesus manifest for this reason. Romans 8.29 says Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. You're in, you're in the lineage. <laughs> you're in the lineup. John 14, 12, and we'll, we'll wind down. Reading out of the NIV, John 14. This is where it, it man, looking at Jesus is fun. When we, we start putting a mirror in front of us, sometimes we start going back. We start backpedaling a little bit, but that's why we got to study it, right? We got to begin to see ourselves in sonship. Verse 12 says, Jesus is speaking. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. What you been doing? What's up? <laughs> Jesus, what you been doing? What have you been doing? We just been talking. What you been what have you been doing? 
I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. I might need to read the Gospels and see what he's been doing. Because that puts something in front of me to to realize that it is possible. Even with with weaknesses of character that I may have, because I'm in Christ, he has anointed me to do the works of Christ. To go about doing good. To healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Setting the captives free. We should be able to go to the prophet Isaiah's words just as Jesus did in Luke. And we should be able to read those over ourselves and begin to see that the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. I don't ever go, I don't ever go to the prison or to the jail without thinking about that. And no, I'm not going to go in. Y'all don't call Pope County. I'm not going to go in and, and open the doors and let everybody out. But there's a different kind of freedom. You can live free in a prison cell. I mean, Paul and Silas proved that to us, didn't they? Here they are in a prison cell. And, and y'all, this wasn't uh, state penitenti- penitentiary material that they had back then. They're laying in their own filth. And these boys are in there. Praising God to the point the anointing hits the place, the ground shakes, and the the doors come open on the prison. Now, they were imprisoned wrongly, obviously. They were imprisoned for their Christianity. But freedom has a lot of different meanings, doesn't it? I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Because I go to my father. Well, him going to the father means you get to go to the father. You know, if he, didn't, if he didn't go and sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat, then we're not made righteous, but he did. And therefore, we're righteous in him. And don't get, you know, don't panic on the greater things. We can do, we can do anything God calls us to do. Anything he instructs us to do. And we also get to lead people into relationship with the Father God. That's, I don't know that there's a greater miracle than that right there. And verse 13 says, Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. That's his reason. That's his why, to bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The Passion Translation says, and that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring him glory. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. Now, in closing, I began to ask myself, I read, I read through Matthew and just made notes. What was Jesus doing? And I'm going to give you my list and when you go home and you read one of the Gospels, either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, I make some notes. And if I missed one, I want you to jot it down and tell me, this is just what I saw in just Matthew. What was Jesus doing here on this earth? What was he doing? He was teaching. And, and I'm going to go further with that word and, and put as a separate one. He was discipling. Because there's a difference in me being up here teaching 
and me walking through life with someone discipling them. And this is where I think Christianity uh, has failed to a certain degree. We've thought we can just tell people without showing people. Jesus walked with the twelve. They walked through cornfields together and he gave them lessons about spiritual lessons from corn. They walked past a tree that should have had figs or looks like it it was showing that it should have figs and it didn't. And so he used that and he discipled them. He taught them. There is a walking through life with people that goes beyond teaching people. So Jesus, he was a master of discipling. We saw him praying. We saw Jesus having a prayer life with the Father. He would have to go to the mountain to pray. He would have to to leave the crowds and go spend time with the Father, keeping that relationship the way it was supposed to be. Jesus blessed. So often you'll see that word, that he blessed them. Blessed are they. And, And he would just, he blessed people with his words. He He built people up with his words. He did miracles. He fed 5,000 plus people. Now, we feed 200 or so around here every now and then. That's a big to do. But he took one little boy's lunch and fed a multitude. He did miracles, things that were above natural possibility. He was loving. We saw, him, we saw him loving even the unlovely. We saw him touching the untouchable. We also saw him correcting and rebuking. Because you can't love without correction. <clears throat> without instruction. We saw him healing. We saw him forgiving. We saw him feeding and providing. We saw him bring things back to life. We saw him resist the devil. We need to know how to do that. I need to know what that looks like. You know, I have a reoccurring thought, a reoccurring temptation, a reoccurring a uh, thing that keeps coming to my mind that, no, this is who you are. No, this is what you want to do. You know, how do I resist? How do I resist the devil? Jesus showed me that. And and you know how he did it? He Yeah, he identified himself in the word. And when the enemy came and tried to mess with his identity, which is huge in our culture right now, Jesus said, I'm going to choose the truth. And he would speak it. He said it out loud. When the, when the, and the enemy would come right back to him with another thought. And Jesus would speak it out loud. He showed me how to resist the devil. I needed to know that. We saw Jesus go into the temple. He didn't do online service. was important to him. I'm sorry, did I lose you, Scott? 
We just lost Scott. Grow the security team. The congregation is fixing to increase. We saw Jesus going to the temple from the moment that he was eight days old. And Mary and Joseph took him to be circumcised. And you know what happened when they took him there? Something that wouldn't have happened if they didn't take him there. Simeon held that baby. And he said, God, you told me I would live until I held my salvation. Till I beheld your salvation. And then Anna began to speak. And Simeon began to speak. That couldn't have happened if they hadn't taken him to the temple. And then when they left Jerusalem, I think we read it last week, either here or there. He was 12. And they had been to Jerusalem. They had been to, to the temple to do their, their blood sacrifices. And they're on their way home, and they've already been gone three days. And they look around, they think Jesus is with the, the neighbors or somebody, and he's not there, and they have to circle around and go back. And there he is. Guess where Jesus is? Boy's at church. He's at the temple. He's, he, he's, he's, he's hungry. He needs to know who he is. If Jesus needed to find himself in the word, I probably need to find myself in the word. Because it'll become a strength to me. Right? Become a, it becomes a strength to me and it helps me hold my true identity. Because when you start going down the road of a false identity, it's, it's mental. It's mental. And so we need to know the truth because the truth sets us free. So we find him in the temple. We find him reading the scrolls. We find him quoting the word. And people, you know, they'll be like, I don't believe in that blab it and grab it or that. Jesus found it necessary to speak it. So say over yourself what the word says. Jesus was manifest to show me that. That was an important, important part of my Christian culture. Is that I say what God says about me, not what I feel. I went, if I went by what I feel, I don't know which day I'd want to live, which day I want to die. I mean, we're so circumstance windblown. I mean, there's been things in my life where I just wanted to curl up in the fetal position. But you know what? Thank God, Jesus manifest to show me, to reveal to me, to make known to me what life with the Father can be. And then I I get to choose it. So his coming was not just to die on the cross. His coming was to show me, to reveal to me, to give me a visual learning experience of what it's like to live Zoe, life with the Father God. Amen? It'll make you want to read him when you realize it's about you. It's about you.